Section twenty six of Knickerbocker's History of New York, Volume One by Washington Irving. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Greg Giordano. Knickerbocker's History of New York volume one by washington irving chapter seven that my readers may the more fully comprehend the extent of the calamity at this very moment impending over the honest unsuspecting province of new netherlands and its dubious governor it is necessary that i should give some account of a horde of strange barbarians bordering upon the eastern frontier now so it came to pass that many years previous to the time of which we are treating the sage cabinet of england had adopted a certain national creed a kind of public walk of faith or rather a religious turnpike in which every loyal subject was directed to travel to zion taking care to pay the toll-gatherers by the way albeit a certain shrewd race of men being very much given to indulge their own opinions on all manner of subjects a propensity exceedingly offensive to your free governments of europe did most presumptuously dare to think for themselves in matters of religion exercising what they considered a natural and unextinguishable right liberty of conscience as however they possessed that ingenuous habit of mind which always thinks aloud which rides cock-a-hoop on the tongue and is forever galloping into other people's ears it naturally followed that their liberty of conscience likewise implied liberty of speech which being freely indulged soon put the country in a hubbub and aroused the pious indignation of the vigilant fathers of the church the usual methods were adopted to reclaim them which in those days were considered efficacious in bringing back stray sheep to the fold that is to say they were coaxed they were admonished they were menaced they were buffeted line upon line precept upon precept lash upon lash here a little and there a great deal were exhausted without mercy and without success until worthy pastors of the church wearied out by their unparalleled stubbornness were driven in the excess of their tender mercy to adopt the scripture text and literally to heap live embers on their heads nothing however could subdue that independence of the tongue which has ever distinguished the singular race so that rather than subject that heroic member to further tyranny they one and all embarked for the wilderness of america to enjoy unmolested the inestimable right of talking and in fact no sooner did they land upon the shore of this free-spoken country than they all lifted up their voices and made such a clamor of tongues that we are told they frightened every bird and beast out of the neighborhood and struck such mute terror into certain fish that they have been called dumb fish ever since this may appear marvelous but it is nevertheless true in proof of which i would observe that the dumb fish has ever since become an object of superstitious reverence and forms the saturday's dinner of every true yankee the simple aborigines of the land for a while contemplated these strange folk in utter astonishment but discovering that they wielded harmless though noisy weapons and were a lively ingenious 
good-humoured race of men, they became very friendly and sociable, and gave them the name of Yanakis, which in the Mice-Shusag, or Massachusetts language, signifies silent men, a waggish appellation, since shortened into the familiar epithet of Yankees, which they retain unto the present day. True it is, and my fidelity as an historian will not allow me to pass over the fact, that having served a regular apprenticeship in the school of persecution, these ingenious people soon showed that they had become masters of the art. The great majority were of one particular mode of thinking in matters of religion, but, to their great surprise and indignation, they found that diverse Papists, Quakers, and Anabaptists were springing up among them, and all claiming to use the liberty of speech. This was at once pronounced a daring abuse of the liberty of conscience, which they now insisted was nothing more than the liberty to think as one pleased in matters of religion, provided one thought right, for otherwise it would be giving a latitude to damnable heresies. Now as they, the majority, were convinced that they alone thought right, it consequently followed that whoever thought different from them thought wrong, and whoever thought wrong, and obstinately persisted in not being convinced and converted, was a fragrant violator of the inestimable liberty of conscience, and a corrupt and infestuous member of the body politic, and deserved to be lopped off and cast into the fire. The consequence of all, which was a fiery persecution of diverse sects, and especially of Quakers, now I'll warrant there are hosts of my readers ready at once to lift up their hands and eyes with that virtuous indignation with which we contemplate the faults and errors of our neighbors, and to exclaim at the preposterous idea of convincing the mind by tormenting the body, and establishing the doctrine of charity and forbearance by intolerant persecution. But, in simple truth, what are we doing at this very day, and in this very enlightened nation, but acting upon the very same principle in our political controversies? Have we not, within but a few years, released ourselves from the shackles of a government which cruelly denied us the privilege of governing ourselves, and using in full latitude that invaluable member, the tongue? And are we not at this very moment striving our best to tyrannize over the opinions, tie up the tongues, and ruin the fortunes of one another? What are our great political societies but mere political inquisitions, our pothouse committees but little tribunals of denunciation, our newspapers but mere whipping-posts and pillories, where unfortunate individuals are pelted with rotten eggs, and our council of appointment but a grand auto-de-fe, where culprits are annually sacrificed for their political heresies? Where, then, is the difference in principle between our measures and those you are so ready to condemn among the people i am treating of there is none the difference is merely circumstantial thus we denounce instead of banishing we libel instead of scourging we turn out of office instead of hanging and where they burnt an offender in proper person we either tar and feather or burn him in effigy this political persecution being somehow or other the grand palladium of our liberties and an incontrovertible proof that this is a free country. But notwithstanding the fervent zeal with which this holy war was prosecuted against the whole race of unbelievers, we do not find that the population of this new colony was in any wise hindered thereby. On the contrary, they multiplied to a degree which would be incredible to any man unacquainted with the marvellous fecundity of this growing country. 
this amazing increase may indeed be partly ascribed to a singular custom prevalent among them commonly known by the name of bundling a superstitious rite observed by the young people of both sexes with which they usually terminated their festivities and which was kept up with religious strictness by the more bigoted part of the community the ceremony was likewise in those primitive times considered as an indispensable preliminary to matrimony their courtships commencing where ours usually finish by which means they acquired that intimate acquaintance with each other's good qualities before marriage which has been pronounced by philosophers the sure basis of a happy union thus early did this cunning and ingenious people display a shrewdness of making a bargain which has ever since distinguished them and a strict adherence to the good old vulgar maxim about buying a pig in a poke to the sagacious custom therefore do i chiefly attribute the unparalleled increase of the yanakee or yankee race for it is a certain fact well authenticated by court records and parish registers that wherever the practice of bundling prevailed there was an amazing number of sturdy brats annually born unto the state without the license of the law or the benefit of clergy neither did the irregularity of their birth operate in the least to their disparagement on the contrary they grew up a long-sided raw-boned hardy race of whalers woodcutters fishermen and peddlers and strapping corn-fed wenches who by their united efforts tended marvellously toward peopling those notable tracts of country called nantucket piscataway and cape cod end of section twenty six recording by greg giordano newport ritchie florida